Anyways, so how's everybody doing today? What's up, everybody? What's going on? Today, I have Brad Alden in La Casa. Ese, no, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> He's in the house. So, um, I got Brad on the other line. What's up, Brad? Hey, dude. Good to hear from you. And uh, we can we can hablar español if you want to. We're going to hablar español maybe a little bit. All <laughs> right. Yeah, vámonos. All right. Let's get crack-a-lacking. <laughs> so, okay, one thing uh, about Brad... And I say this because um, I just get uh, let's let's see righteously jealous. Is that even is that even ah, a concept, that's dude? A contradiction. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna put all of these links in there, but you guys can go check out Brad. He's got the coolest hair. He actually has a lot of hair, and and I don't. I I I wrote to him. I said I'm follically I, I'm follically challenged. I, again, I don't even know if that's even a real word, but at the end of the day, Brad is. Okay, so you're walking down the street and you see you see this guy, right? He's either you're thinking to yourself, this guy's either a rock star or the guy's like heavily into like fashion and he's some kind of fashion icon. This is Brad, but the thing is Brad lives in both worlds. <laughs> he is a rock star <laughs> and in the fashion world. And so we got both of those living in the same world, um, even though they're, you know, they would seem opposite, but but they're not. Um, but he is currently, and we're going to get into this, but right as of now, as of today, he is currently the worship uh, worship leader, worship pastor, music pastor. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. At Coastline, the Coastline Church in Florida. Now, again, I'm going to link that down below. Um, so if you guys don't have anywhere to go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put these links on and the times of their service, you can go check them out and you can be blessed by Brad and his lovely wife leading worship. I think that would be a great, great thing, especially during these times where a lot of people, um, unfortunately are not going to church. It's always good to get solid Bible teaching. So I'm Mm going to go ahead and link those in. Um, but not only is Brad a worship leader, Brad also started um, a denim supplier, right, Brad? Denim supplier? Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. It's called Artisan Cloth. And um, so Brad is now in Florida, right. but his um, his business is out in L.A. So mm-hmm. he's an East Coast and a West Coast like I told him earlier, off the record, you're a roller coaster. Oh, <laughs> such cheesy jokes. Oh, I crack you're myself. A, you're a good dad. Oh, man. I know. I'm a good dad. <laughs> when you can crack cheesy, ultra cheesy jokes, then you know you're, you're ready for fatherhood. It's a good thing. <laughs> yes. um, okay. So I went to uh, Brad's – okay, what is it? A loft? Uh, what's it called? Yeah. A loft, yeah, right? It's a, it's a loft. Sure. Okay. So I went to his loft slash – showroom Mm -hmm. uh, for an event he did a couple two three months ago actually more than three months because we've been in this crazy lockdown for well semi-lockdown for a while now so over three months ago and i'd never seen so much denim and i've i've been in (laughs) i was a designer in the industry i've never (laughs) seen so much denim in my life and i didn't know that so much variety of denim existed especially Mm -hmm. stretchy pant denim and um, for those of you that don't know what stretchy pants are, you guys got to go watch the movie Nacho Libre, which has to be one of my all-time favorite movies. 
<laughs> um, yeah, so so we got Brad, and I'm stoked to have him. Now, here's the thing. So besides the fact that Brad's a super ultra accomplished musician, and he runs, you know, he's like a fashion guru. No, I don't like the word guru. That just has bad connotation. He's a fashion <laughs> master. Um, wow. The best decision that that um, that Brad ever made, the greatest accomplishment he ever made was, and I think I speak for him when I say this, was making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of his life. We're going to we're yeah. going to talk about that though. Um, like the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things mm. have passed away. Behold, this is the key word. All things have been made new. So yeah. Brad's a new man, which is very, very, very cool. Brad, thanks so much for hanging out with us, dude. Oh man. Thank you, Pablo. What a joy to be your friend. <laughs> I, I'm honored. Um, I met Brad, uh, through, I think we connected through Instagram, right? I think so. Yeah, and and you know what? God is so cool. We have this bond in Christ as brothers in Christ. And I connected, he connected. It was really cool. He's been very gracious and um I have nothing but good stuff to say about Brad. So, Thank before you. we get going, how about we go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless our time? Great. Lord, we come before you and thank you so much. Father, that you're in control. Thank you, Jesus. And that despite the fact that everything around us seems to be falling to pieces. Lord, it's actually falling yeah. into into place. And so we yes. thank you so much for that. We thank you so much that we can come to you with our baggage, with our discouragement, with our fears, mm. Father God, with our anxieties, you, Lord. Lord. We could right. lay them at your feet. And you yes. are faithful, Father God, to take that away and to give us that peace which surpasses all human understanding. Mm. It's shalom peace, Father, that encompasses so much of our lives. So, Father mm. God, thank you so much. I thank you that we have Brad with us. And, Lord, I mm. pray that you would be um, in this time talking about you, talking about your impact on his life. And uh, we're excited. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Cool, Thank dude. You. I have a motto. Guess first. Um, I'm going to just stop gabbing and talking. So why don't you kind of fill us in on who Brad Alden is? Who is this Brad Alden? <laughs> you're, you're interesting, man. I love to keep listening about you. <laughs> um, so I guess um, I'm the son of a, a World War II Marine. My dad was older when I was born. So I kind of I grew up in the Midwest. Um, I had I was sort of the center of two families. My mom and dad both had been married before, got married, had me, and I kind of was like this vortex of two worlds that didn't <laughs> really like each other. <laughs> Maybe they could have named me Vortex. <laughs> vortex, a, Vortex, what a all cool name. I know, right? <laughs> Man, yeah. yeah. Um, so Alden's my middle name, by the way. That was my dad's first name. Ah. Just, just through music, it's been Brad Alden. My full name's Brad Alden Mowry, but um, Brad Alden's, I guess, easier to say. So. Well, that clarified uh, it because you know what? I'm like, who is Mowry, man? Seriously. And now, <laughs> now yeah, it's it's Brad. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Alden was my dad's first name. It's my middle name. It's my son's middle name, and uh, it's a cool name. But it's a very yeah. cool name. So, so what should we call you? Is so okay? So why is your Instagram account, the Brad Alden, not the Brad what? Alden Maori. Is that too um, long? You know what happened is I set that up when I had an opportunity with uh, Bridge Music and Sony, and they had released my first Christian, well, it was my second, but my first uh, ultra-published thing um, under Brad Alden. 
And so it was more for just simplicity and, and uh, not to confuse people because okay. the music was, was called Brad Alden. So. Well, it didn't work because you confused me, dude. <laughs> well, you met me at a denim event, so <laughs> that's technically, right. technically that's Clark Kent. Okay, and, got and it. And the music is Brad Alden. So right? Clark Kent, dude. So, you know, I didn't know, so now I know who the real identity is. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, so get back to. Let's get back to your your dad, your mom. You were Vortex Alden. Yeah, so Vortex Alden. So, uh, the cool thing about being the youngest, and my dad's kids were like. I mean, almost 20 years older than me. So, so I know you talked to me earlier about your personal story. You can relate to this or your mm -hmm. wife can a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But I was exposed to so much cool music as a, as a young guy. Give us examples. I, I want to know. Oh, oh, man. Like they were all into 70s rock and stuff like that. Oh. But my, my friends were like, what's that? <laughs> um, yeah. Were they into and, disco? Were they into disco? Come on. Uh, probably my mom was. I remember her liking weird <laughs> stuff like Tom Jones and the Bee Gees. And what stuff about like ABBA? That, yeah. Probably Abba. I think Abba was a little too soft for my family was a leggy, so maybe Abba was too soft. <laughs> See, we were an Abba family. We listen to Abba. So I, gotcha. I get yeah. Cool. Good good music. Um, so so okay, so the cool thing was being exposed to all this um sort of older classic music uh that was a little before my time, but had a big impact on me. And then one of my older brothers was in a band and I remember just thinking that was so cool and and you were talking about my, you know, you have hair envy or whatever, but um, we, we all have, we all have. Our, I like the way you put that hair envy, dude. I have serious hair envy. Trust me. Well, what I was going to say is that we all have our pluses and minuses, right? So my family was kind of a sports family, but I was born with really dreadfully flat feet. So they, they always hurt. I, if I play, I love to play basketball and sports, but an hour of that, and I'm like, um, you're, on of, you're on the bench. You're on the bench. Vortex, not, vortex, Alden, get on the bench. Yeah. So, so I'm not talking like just ooh, ow. I'm talking to the point where I've had to have bones fused in my right oh, ankle. Oh wow. It's like, yeah, it's like a serious challenge I've had. Okay. Um, I take so, it back. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's you have to have a sense <laughs> of humor about everything, right? Uh, but. Um, so that meant I didn't really have a propensity for sports. So I just spent a lot of time learning music and I got into bands with my friends. My brother taught me how to play some old like Bob Dylan and Bob Seeger songs, which are old seventies rock yeah. dudes. And, um, and, um, I just really fell in love with that. And, and the band thing was kind of like my team. That was my, my best buddies. And we just did life together. A few guys in high school and, when high school was over, we we dreamt about being rock stars, and and um, two, one one friend of mine that was in my high school band and I, we moved out of high school. We we drove our we packed up our little secondhand cars and drove to the first closest big city we could, which was Chicago, Illinois at that time, and we decided to get in, to, to uh, uh, audition for bands that were touring. Nice. And we got a job with this sort of top forty. Uh, top 40 rock band that did mostly covers and we eventually wrote a few originals but they were touring they were making money and so i was underage i wasn't even uh i might have just barely been 18 but but i was making three four hundred dollars a week and i was wow. like at that time i was like dude this is it i'm on my way what, what year and, was that around what year uh this was probably early 90s oh, okay and, grunge yeah the grunge, grunge scene was big grunge was about to happen yeah. and uh but 
then something really interesting happened. I, I saw, um, I met guys that were like 40 or something and they were doing exactly what I was doing at 18 or 19. And I went, it hit me. I'm like, wow, this is it. Like (laughs) I already, I already, I already hit the ceiling. You're all been there. (laughs) It was, it's kind of weird, right? So, so anyway, we decided, uh, to move out to Hollywood and go to MI musicians Institute. And, um, so wow, I did that. dude, you went to mm-hmm. MI? Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you guys, the, Brad's a real deal. MI is the, the, all the good. Okay. There's a lot of good musicians, but MI is the real, real deal. That's kind of like when you're really, really smart, you go to MIT and the ones, <laughs> yeah. Then, then the other ones that are really smart with music, they go to MI. So oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, they had, what I loved about it is I, I don't know if they still do, but they had um, different divisions of school. So I took the Vocal Institute of Technology and my friends took guitar and percussion. And you meet people from all these different parts of school. And one of your curriculum is to do performance credits. So you have to do like a band performance in front mm-hmm. of the whole school in the main auditorium with one person from each of the other areas, which which is really neat. Um collaborative stuff and and then they do sight reading stuff like that anyway after that i stayed around hollywood my buddies moved back to the midwest and i stayed there by myself and i just thought hollywood was you know the bee's knees it was so fun and exciting and um everybody looked cool and then i i was like wow it's like more important to look cool than to to sound good um you kind of start thinking that way when you're young Uh, (laughs) that's where i would have failed Right. Sorry, the little cool part, dude. (laughs) I probably did too. It's okay. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I, uh, so unfortunately, because I I grew up with all brothers and my dad was a World War II guy, he was a drinker. Mm -hmm. My brothers were drinking and drug guys and, and, and womanizers. And they had taught me all of those habits. Mm -hmm. I, I I told you prior to our call that I I guess you would call my house a a deluded Catholic family because my mom was a Catholic and she put us through uh, catechism and first communion. But I had no idea what a relationship with God was. And we probably I wasn't against God, but I probably went to church twice a year just to check the box. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we had a standard prayer that we said that um, I I can't say it was bad. It just didn't mean that much to me. and I uh, certainly wasn't understanding what a relationship up with the living God that I that I enjoy now is at that time. So I got into the Hollywood drugs and alcohol scene. And I mean, that led to, you know, playing all the clubs in Hollywood. But also I got side jobs at a, I was a at one point I was a, a referee for a, a, a women's mud wrestling thing. Yeah. And, and I was a DJ at a strip club and, and, and my older half brothers on my dad's side were out in, in Southern California and they were dealing methamphetamine. So they would give me these drugs and so I could get free drugs and right. party with the girls and I was making money and I was playing gigs and had lots of girlfriends. And, and, you know, you think you're, you're winning until one day you realize you're a drug addict and you got a girl pregnant. And yeah life is a disaster but yeah so um, that whole that whole sex drugs and rock and roll that thing's yeah. just a big farce and illusion man i think so yeah, yeah. it's a it's a trap and even even to be honest i, I don't want to sound nerdy to people who are are in the middle of enjoying like secular music and rock and roll but mm-hmm. but there's a layer of deception in all that that yeah. i 
I think that the allure is the 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 glamour, the sex, the drugs, sure. the, the the financial uh, reward, which also is a facade. Because I can tell you now that I'm actually friends with a lot of rock stars, I know guys that were when I was in high school that I thought were literally making it and rock stars. And the truth is they were living in their dad's garage, going on tour, making a few bucks, and they didn't know a thing about business. Yeah. But they were they were getting all the attention, but but they were broke. Yep. So th there's a bit of deception in all of that. And um, I certainly remember feeling like this empty thing. I thought like, wow, I'm kind of meeting all these people I admired and I'm, I'm playing music all the time, but I feel really incomplete and, and unfulfilled. And I, I didn't really know why. Yeah. And so I had gotten uh, a girl pregnant that I was dating. I, I certainly didn't know her very well, but I, I had this man's man uh, a little bit in me that I decided to uh, do the right thing and marry her and be the dad of this daughter, yeah. all with good, all with good intentions. But I can tell you that we all suffered just because uh, how one, how different we are later. She was diagnosed as a severe narcissist. And mm. I didn't even know what that word was at that time. And, yeah. and uh, we had another kid later and and that whole story ended in divorce and pain for my kids, which ultimately led to my salvation, which we'll get to. Yes. But um, when I was when I found out my daughter was coming to this earth, um, I uh, decided to get a real job because touring was inconsistent money. And and in Hollywood and the West Coast, uh, most places don't even pay. It's it's more to, you know, the, the you're schlepping your music yep. to hope to get noticed or something. It's a scam, too. But um, but. Uh, so I, so I found this guy, I met this guy who had invented stonewashing of blue jeans and he was kind of estranged from his son. And my dad was at the end of his, his life. He was, yeah. he, he had died right around that time frame. And, um, this guy, uh, really took a liking to me. He just, uh, we, we hit it off and we had this sincere bond that was real special and I started working for him, doing any side job I could do. I just he offered me health insurance and said, "Why don't you take a job at my factory?" And he would come see my band play on the weekends and stuff. But he knew it wasn't making much money. Right. But I would, but I would work hard. And I ended up uh, learning every aspect of the the denim laundry business, from uh, shipping and receiving to to formulas to um, uh, production to chemical purchasing. And then eventually he gave me a job. He had a factory in Anaheim hmm. that uh, was going out of business. He said, look, the guy down there is stealing chemicals and he's he's not doing his job and we're going to close this place down in six months. Would you like the opportunity to go turn it around? Yeah. And he, sa he said, you're way too young, but um, I, I think you got the heart to do it and blah, blah, blah. So I said, why not? And I went down there and I, and this was kind of probably like, um, uh, my first four years of denim college was running this 24 seven factory. I had 175, uh, Hispanic workers that I inherited that I didn't speak much Spanish. Then right. I'm, pr I'm pretty fluent now. Cause I made friends with a lot of these dudes and you had to learn it to survive. Actually, That's you right. couldn't, even, couldn't <clears throat> communicate. So awesome experience. Somewhere in the middle of that, I still considered myself a uh, musician on the weekends that had a job to pay for my child and, and uh, have health insurance. Right. But but somewhere in that, a big company in New York came in and they were one of the customers we had and offered me this 
like legitimate big corporate job as a vice president at a Fortune 500 company in New York. And I was just like, me? I'm like, are you sure? Uh, so I talked to people. I didn't even know who they were. Right. And uh, sure enough, they hired me. I moved to New York. I ended up being a vice president of a Fortune 500 company. I'm flying all over the world in first class to like 42 countries. And wow. Doing all the creative and technical work for 19 design brands, and it, that was probably my master's degree in, yeah. in uh, fashion and textiles and and washing and things like that. How long was that for? How long did you do that for? That was seven years. Wow. And then um, a company in New York. I, one of my employees at that company had had gone off, and I was getting really. Um, uh, I wasn't really a corporate guy wearing like button up shirts yeah. and hi hiding my tattoos and just just it just wasn't my thing corporate and then eventually it became so corporate that i wasn't touching anything creative it was all like hr yep. meetings and hiring and firing and budgets and and i'm like this is not joy for me um so i partnered with a smaller company that was uh developing fabrics and selling fabrics and they said hey we need a a guy in the west coast and that was my chance to move back to california so i did that and I started using my wash and creative knowledge to develop fabrics and, and sell them to brands. And I kind of developed a repertoire with repertoire with brands as a guy who I totally understood what they needed and were trying to do. So we were very helpful. Right. And it was a different kind of sales. I never considered myself a salesperson. I was more of a product person who happened to sell fabrics. And over the years, um, I just developed so many relationships with hundreds of brands and I, I decided uh, eventually I started my own company and that's a, a whole story of its own. But um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in another yeah. episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, somewhere in the middle of all that um, in New York, before I moved back to L.A., though, um, my marriage uh, came to uh, was coming to an end when I moved back to California. A divorce happened and that's kind of when the wheels fell off yeah. in my pers personal life. Man, I tell you, um, <clears throat> that could be, it's, it's too, it seems like twofold, really, really hard, but it's the avenue that God uses, right? I mean, yeah. when yeah. you hit rock bottom, the only place you could look up is up. I mean, yeah, you, you look up, there's nowhere else to look. And so, um, I know God in my, in my life, uh, and that's the way he, he oftentimes has to work. That's mm -hmm. not the optimal way to work, but, but you know, um, to get our attention, sometimes it takes more than a spanking. You know what I'm saying? I think that a lot of us men are so prideful and stubborn that unless mm -hmm. we get into a very desperate place, we probably won't give God a chance. And, and it's a shame, but that was me. Yeah. No, and I think you speak for, for a large majority, whether you admit it or not. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> a lot of the stories in the Bible— a lot of these men, especially in the Old Testament, they had to hit rock bottom. Literally, yeah. the Lord had to allow the enemies to overtake them before they actually realized, you know what? This is not about me. This is all about God. And I'm yeah. nothing without him. And so that's example after example after example. I mean, okay, he take this one. David was a man after God's own heart, right? So yeah. when Samuel the prophet uh, was told by uh, the Lord that he had chosen someone after his own heart to mm -hmm. replace Saul, because you look at a guy like Saul, a king like Saul, 
the guy always had an excuse for everything he did. Never right. actually said, you know what, you're right. I am sorry. It was, yeah, I did this because X, Y, and Z. And so here comes David, who's a man after God's own heart. And we see yeah. David, you know, he wrote Psalms. And I mean, the guy was um, the man during battle. I mean, he was, talk about a general, uh, you know, commander. Uh, so he knew his stuff. But David, at you know, at one point, um, it cost the lives of thousands of the people in Israel because of David's pride, because he said, I want you to go out and number um, all of the people in my kingdom. And even yeah. though he was advised against it, why would you do something that dumb? He said, just go ahead and do that. And that pride cost and it cut deep. And unfortunately, yeah. um, but he, he realized, and that's the thing, we have one or two choices. Either to, uh, you know, look to the Lord and humble ourselves and realize that he's calling us and we can surrender our lives to him or fight. And like Jesus told Paul, which was Saul on the road to Damascus, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Why are you, you know, why are you kicking against the goads? So yeah. just it's, yeah. it's useless to fight against the Lord. It's a losing battle. But the good thing yeah. is, why don't you tell us? So I want to know exactly how is it that, you know, that you came to Christ? Okay. I'd love to tell that story. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny, though. One thing that you just made me think of that I'd love to share sure. for anybody listening is, so I have relatives who are uncomfortable with um, Christianity or, or the idea of church because maybe if, let's say I'm a worship leader or my dad's a pastor, uh, or my uncle's a pastor, mm -hmm. and you have a relative that sees you when you're at home, and you you're having a bad day, and you you maybe you say something you, you say something derogatory, or you might even slip out a curse word or something that yeah. isn't very godly, right? And they think, oh, you're 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 you know you just said a curse word, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But the truth is, all it really means is that we are admitting we are broken, and every day. We need Jesus. And that's what it really is. It's yeah. more of a, it's the truth is we're more of uh, in, in a daily surrender rather than a place of arrival where we can tell you better. Absolutely. And that's never, that's yeah. not going to happen this side of heaven. I mean, I'll guarantee you right. that, you know, right. anybody that talks to my wife and she's super sweet, she, you know, she'll paint me as like, you know, Mr. Peachy King, which I'm not. <laughs> so not. Not even. Can I call you that? Peachy yeah, King no. Pablo? <laughs> yeah, Pablo Peachy King. Yeah, I don't know about that, dude. <laughs> um, but it's true. It's so true. And you know what? Um, I'll speak from experience, too. You have these kind of days where, um, like Brad said, oh, dude, you know what? Uh, dude, I just slipped. I, You know, I said the S word or whatever, you know. and Or you get in an argument with your wife. Or you say something out of place. Well, guess what? Do you think the enemy's going to leave you alone? Nope. In my case, what happens is when I'm down, I get kicked and beat and punched and everything by the enemy. It's yeah. get you when you're down. Yeah. Makes you feel unworthy. Mm -hmm. Makes you feel, um, I don't know, you can just go down the list. And yeah. um, unfortunately, it is the, the life of sanctification, right, too? Yeah. is um it's a daily thing but 
you guys, you and your lovely wife had a um, interview with Ryan Reese um, mm-hmm. back last year. I think it was October, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. I think so. We've done two. I'm not sure which one you're talking about. The I think the latest one. And okay. um, I think you were talking about your time at the Dream Center, which I kind of want you to just kind of touch on real quick. Yeah. But uh, specifically, you said, you know, as you as you kind of surveyed the landscape around you at the Dream Center, you know, you saw, you know, drunk dude over there and some other guy over here doing stuff. And you realized mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of came to not even a realization, but you said, oh, wow, you can be yourself and still love God. What why don't you tell us first um, your time at the Dream Center? And then w- what do you mean by that? Sure. Uh, well, Dream Center was an amazing, transformational time of my life. I, I didn't want to go to church. I felt incredibly guilty for not being able to protect them from the pain of uh, the, the, the collateral damage of divorce and their parents splitting up. And But the good news is it, it put me flat on the ground. And, and as you said, I, I only could look up and I, and I, I ran out of human options. I didn't know what to do. And, and I, I failed basically is yeah. how I, I realized. And, and so I said, okay, I'll, the one guy who would always take my calls and listen and was, was my older half brother, Jeff. And he was 20 years, uh, Christian and he had changed his life. And I kind of thought, you know, gosh, you sure talk about this Jesus a lot and it's annoying, but, <laughs> but you're, but you're so, but you're so nice to me. So I really want to call you. You're yeah. different than most people. So anyway, he just said to me at some point, he's like, look, um, would you do me a favor? I found a place not far from you that has really cool music from what I understand. And my pastor in Ohio is friends with this guy in Arizona named Tommy Barnett and his son, Matthew has a church in LA, uh, Pastor Les, his guy, called them and, and just told them that you're coming and someone will meet you there and just, just so you'll feel comfortable. But uh, would you just go and, and, and check it out for my sake, uh, mm. as a, just as a favor, man? Yeah. And, and, and I was like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> so I had this was literally, I'll never forget this day because my son was nine years old. Mm. And as I told you, I was really. My biggest uh, sadness through that phase wasn't for myself. It was because I, I knew I was hurting my kids, yeah. and I knew the marriage wasn't going to make it, but I couldn't. So all I could do was love on them, but I couldn't stop the process that was the, 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 the right. crumbling of the building. Um, anyway, I had my son one weekend right before his mom was moving he and his sister out of my home to Florida, and everybody was leaving, and it was really a sad, confusing time. And I said, I, 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 you know, it was actually a crutch to bring him. It was I didn't want to go by myself. So right. I had him. I'm like, okay, I'll satisfy my brother. And Crosby, <laughs> his name's Crosby, my son. I'm like, let's go, let's go to church, man. I heard this. They got cool music. <laughs> That's cool. So they met me in the back, and I met this really jolly pastor guy. And I did. He thought he was really like over-the-top jolly and wacky, <laughs> uh, Matthew Barnett, who's a pretty famous guy. I didn't know it yeah. at the time. Um, and he introduced me to the music team and and all that. And then, he, But I hadn't seen the sanctuary yet. And, and then he said, come on, you could sit with my wife and I. And we walked out to the sanctuary, and he put us right in the front row. And when I walked in, I was like, what is this? This is not what I was expecting. It's right. a, 
it was a blacked out room with loud music and kind of hip looking people singing. And I looked around the room and there was, like you said, there was a, there was a rocker over there with tattoos. There was a drunk guy over there. There's a famous person next to me. There was a, uh, you know, an Asian there, uh, every nationality, homeless, stinky, rich. Uh, it was all there. And I was like, okay, Nobody's going to notice me here. This is cool. Like, I'm at church, but, you know, I'm not yeah. going to see anyone I know. So, <laughs> um, anyway, the music blew me away. It was it was really loud and really good. And I'm like, wow, this is different. And, and so I was pretty intrigued. And then that day, that same wacky guy started preaching. And he said, I'm going to tell a story or, or a message today called There's Life After Giving Up. Hmm. And and it was pretty clear to me now looking back that that message seemed like it was just for me. Right. Keep, keep in mind, there were 3000 seats in this place. So this yeah. is a big place. And uh, when he started talking, it was as if the whole room kind of vanished. And all of a sudden I was in this trance and there was like a like a tunnel of his words to my ears. And I hmm. was just transfixed on on everything he said. And something was really stirring in me, and I was like really, really moved. And they got to what they call the invitation or altar call, and I didn't know what that was. They didn't do that in Catholic Church. So they, uh, you know, asked people if they wanted to give their lives to Christ, which is no big deal. If they ask you a question, you want to raise your hand and give your life to Christ and repent of your sins, done deal. Um, So while that was happening, uh, everybody bowed their head, and I noticed my son raised his hand oh wow and he's going through this tough time and uh you know we both just started weeping and it was a super powerful moment and that was the beginning of a big change for me so i would say that that was really the the beginning of my transformation and uh, someone from the worship team came down and invited me to come back the next week and uh join the team and uh just being very inclusive and i'll never forget that either that's so cool that is amazing um Uh, you know, the Lord, I, I had, I can't say, obviously the circumstances were different, but for me, I know what you're saying when you know the Lord is speaking exactly to you. You yeah. just know I, it. But I never, just for people who are listening going, I've never heard that. Like, I didn't know before that moment. So if it hasn't happened to someone listening yet, it doesn't mean it won't. Yeah, exactly. And you'll know. Trust me. You'll yeah. know it's it's weird. And here's the thing. When, um, in my case, I my parents were Catholic, and then they became Christians, uh, born-again believers, when I was around six or seven years old. Okay. And they said I made a decision for Christ early on. Now, I can't, re- I, I didn't remember that. But, you know, I went to, uh, I went to a lot of churches, and a lot of the um, charismatic churches— <laughs> You make a decision for Christ almost every Sunday. It's like they have altar calls, and for some reason, you just go up because you think you're not saved the time before, you know, so you just want to <laughs> make sure. So, you That's know. awesome. Yeah, so, um, but here's the crazy thing is, um, I my my walk with the Lord, even though I knew the Bible, I was reading Scripture, um, I was even, you know, I was playing the drums at church, I was singing in the worship band, and going down the list, the do's, right? Do, Mm -hmm. I was doing this, I was doing that. I got to be careful when I say the word do Mm -hmm. too many times because I caught myself in my second, uh, the second, sorry, side note, side note, rabbit trail. I caught myself in the second um, interview I did and I said, do-do, and do-do just doesn't, even though I'm talking about doing, (laughs) 
It's just, <laughs> I got to watch how many times I say the word do back to back. So anyways, got I was it. doing this and doing mm-hmm. that. And so... And that's all fine and dandy, but it's not about works. And my right. my walk with the Lord hit a very superficial spot. And mm. um, again, this is a testimony for another time. I'm not going to talk about it right now. Not that I don't want to. I'm you know God's brought a lot of healing. But when I met with this older couple and this this older lady, I mean, she was maybe four foot nine. But she pointed right. right at my face and she said, enough's enough. You got to stop. And she just went wow. on and on and on. And it wasn't her talking. It was one of these moments where it was God was talking right at me because the spirit just senses it and you just feel it. And it was October 1st, 2008. October okay. 1st, 2008. I know exactly where I was sitting at the table. I know yeah. exactly where they were sitting at the table. And it changed my life completely. It became wow. very real. And so, yeah, I could relate and how that change comes and it comes quickly. But um, that process is a lifelong process. Yeah. It's a lifelong process. Um, because uh, maybe this might surprise a lot of people. Um, Brad Alden Maori, Vortex Brad, he, <laughs> he's not perfect. I don't know if that really? surprises you guys. He's not a perfect guy. Don't tell anyone, but mm-hmm. um, and neither am I. And you know what? At the end of the day, none of us are. And that's the that's the great thing about God's grace. Now, yeah. Now, with that said, though, er, let's put on the the proverbial brakes. Mm-hmm. I want to just quickly touch and get your take on because we can go to the opposite extreme too. And I think, unfortunately, I see a lot of that, too, where we have this cheap grace, you know. That's okay. Mm. I could do this. I could do that. God's going to forgive me. Um, Mm. I think we really need to be mindful um, in our walk with the Lord not to look at grace cheap because it wasn't cheap and it's not cheap. Um, And there's a lot, a lot of compromise happening within the church, a ton. Mm. And you could really see it. It's very obvious. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean the church isn't perfect. The last 2,000 years of church history, um, I have no excuse for it because in the name of Christ and in the name of the church, you know, it, there's been a lot of blemishes, uh, unfortunately, yeah. a lot of blunders. And that's because, you know, man has, uh, for some reason, thought that they're better and they can do things on their own and all yeah. in the name in the guise of Christianity. And that, no, doesn't work. There's... But so there's a lot of compromise going on and I kind of want to touch on this quote. Uh, DC Mm -hmm. talk was, um, was a band that Toby Mac was in first for those of you guys who know Toby Mac is and on their Jesus freak album. Um, they have a, a soundbite on one of the songs, um, called what if I stumble and this is what the soundbite says. And I've always remembered it back when I when I first got the album. I think it was 1994, 95. So I was a senior in high school. Yeah. And this is the quote. It says, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with, the do- uh, with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And mm. that wow. is very 
very eye-opening and very true. Yeah. Because I can tell you how many people I've talked to, including at where I used to work in the action sports industry, and they would say Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Right. Now, um, everyone's going to stand before the Lord. If you're listening and you're watching, you're going to stand before the Lord, and you're not going to do it in front of friends and family. You're going to do it all by your lonesome self. <clears throat> and here's the thing. You'll never be able to use that excuse because God is only going to ask you one question. What did you do with the gift of my son? And wow. you'll never be able to say, oh, it's, you know what? Joe Schmo down the street, he said he was a Christian, but he led a totally contrary lifestyle. He's such a hypocrite. Wrong answer. Yeah. Wrong answer. So even though there is a lot of compromise, um, and I think as the body of Christ, we need to really address these issues. And mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons why the church is in the condition it's in is because it's tried to be too much like the world instead mm -hmm. of being what God intended the church to be, which yeah. was, hey, first and foremost, share the gospel, the good news, evangelize, you know, mm -hmm. share what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Second yeah. of all, preach the word, this right here. Don't read into the word ever. This is not open to interpretation. Right. And then there's issues that the church isn't addressing anymore. Um, when I was a kid, I would hear messages about adultery, about fornication. I would mm -hmm. hear people talk about pornography and how um, they would address it from a biblical perspective and so on and so forth, even gossip and you name it. Right. And these, unfortunately, are issues that the church isn't touching on. Not all of them, but a big majority of them aren't. And right. um, God is love. You bet he is. I mean, he embodies love. He gave his life for us because he loves us so much. Yeah. But God is also just and righteous, and you cannot have one without the other. So um, what is your take on the current condition? You're obviously you're a worship pastor. You, you've been around. You know what I mean? You've seen both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. What's your take on, on the church, the current condition of the church? Hmm. Well... Um, I know that's a loaded question. I totally get that, but um, I want I want to hear what your take is. I would, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure the context or how specific you you're looking for, but we've had a really unique journey, my wife and I, Danielle and I, mm -hmm. um, the last probably five years. Um, she's a pastor's kid, so she has her own you know, interpretation of growing up in ministry. Right. Um, and we have been blessed with the opportunity to visit many, many, I probably could say hundreds of churches in the last five years yeah. as, as a guest worshiper or uh, something like that. And um, through that, the, the, the great thing is to see probably the good, bad, and the ugly and, and to some extent because – when I um, personally gave my life to Christ, I learned very quickly that you can you can serve while you're waiting on the Lord. You can you can you, you don't have there isn't a moment where you will arrive, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you can you can serve and, and study and worship uh, and do things for other people while you're also waiting on God to respond to your prayers. Um, 
And uh, that was an interesting eye opener for me. But um, I think that a heart of gratitude is something that I always greatly appreciate um, when a church um, is basically trying not to focus so much on um, what they think, but, but always lean back on the word of God. Yeah. Like you said, like the, the church I'm part of now coastline, um, you know, the pastor's really, really clear and he's had a fall. He's had a setback, which I would, and he came out in front of the whole church and, and told him what happened. I guess he, he had at one point he had a, a DUI mm-hmm. and his church at one point had become in his words, like a country club yeah. for some wealthy people who would say Jesus, this and that. And, and yet they were all, you know, you know, being pretty average people and, and he got caught and, yeah. and he, he's so grateful for that. And he uses that not only as a reminder, but as a, as a, a testimonial um, of, of what can happen to any of us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And to say that I'm not God, I'm not perfect. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a suffering broken person that needs God every day. And maybe his calling is to to specifically share the word of God, um, whereas mine is worship. But but he's careful not to get prideful and and think that he's God or yeah. something special. But um, so anyway, I guess all I'm trying to say is that I found that the that the healthier churches remember to lean back on the word of God specifically Amen. and not get too caught up in their own interpretations. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I totally agree 100%. I think it can go to our heads. You know, church starts yeah. growing, people start coming, money starts coming in, and it's easy to let things go to your head, and that's when the problems start. Um, I think where I'm, you know, oftentimes where I come from is one thing that always caught my attention because i'm again i'm from argentina we moved here i was about two years old we moved back over there i lived there for about three and a half three and a half ish years and then we moved back here and one thing that i always remember was there were churches just about on every street corner um christian baptist uh presbyterian you know lutheran methodist you name it and being the fact that there were so many, and there there still are, I mean, thousands upon thousands of churches within the U.S., you know, I've always asked myself, why doesn't our country look different if we have so many churches? And so mm-hmm. the logical um, conclusion of that is, well, they're just buildings then. A lot of those are right. just churches, you know? That's right. And so it should be something that as individuals, because like I said earlier, everyone's going to stand before the Lord individually, okay? Mm -hmm. You're not going to stand there in front of God with your pastor or your choir or the worship team. It's just going to be you and God. And so um, to remember that our relationship is personal, has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with religion, Right. You know, um, and prayer or, or a building or a building. You, absolutely. You don't, read, you don't read about buildings in the Bible. That's right. No, it's not. No buildings. Um, and I think one of the big things that as believers we take for granted, actually a couple, obviously prayer life. And, and mm-hmm. I speak for myself again. I don't ever want anyone to be watching this show and ever think that I'm I've got it all together. Um, sure. You know, my prayer life could always use um, work. Uh, obviously, uh, but I know the importance of prayer. And then 
realizing as the body of Christ that we have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. I mean, that is the seat of power for the believer. And awesome. we can move mountains through that, you know, and to realize that. Yeah. Bef before we kind of move on and kind of start wrapping things up. Yeah. So you have, you, you became a believer, Christian, you're, you're leading worship and you have artisan cloth. You already mm -hmm. started your business. Yeah. Um, we both know that the, the fashion industry um, can be a pretty dark place and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're called to shine our light. I know that in that interview, your wife um, mentioned, by the way, we didn't, we didn't talk about that. Can you please, I, I want people to know, <laughs> huh, yeah, duh, how your wife and you guys sing together. You have an album together. You signed with Sony. Am I right? Yeah. Bridge music and distribution with Sony. Yeah. Okay. So dude, I'm so sorry. My, my bad. All right. Um, can you tell us how did you, cause you met your wife through worship, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a great story, um, and I know we've talked a lot, so I'll just I'll just wrap I, look, that up. Look, I don't but, care. I have time. It's up to you. I mean, you know, <laughs> I these love things can telling go the story. Let, let's hear uh, it. So, when, after a couple of years of uh, serving on the worship team at Angelus Temple, because I had a past of songwriting and things like that, mm -hmm. I had put together my first uh, album of Christian songs. And uh, Angelus Temple let me use that building to, to do a night of worship. Well, there was a guy that came in, a couple pastors that visited, and they approached me afterward and said, hey, we're, we're, we're launching a church in Long Beach, um, and um, we'd love for you to, to sort of lead the opening night debut. We're going to have pastors from all over the city come and give a devotional, and we, we want to do like two hours of music. And um, I said, sure, I would love to, because at that time, in my in the beginning and i'm actually still like this but i would say yes to pretty much anything it could be two <laughs> two people in a home group it could be a stadium of thousands it could be a prison it could be a halfway house uh that's good be, that's I good just yeah my answer was yes because i needed it yeah. um, anyway as much as i might have blessed somebody else I, I i was getting a lot of of blessings from serving anyway um i said yes to that and being obedient and I went down there and he didn't have, they didn't have a big budget or anything. So they said, we have some local volunteers. And one of the volunteers was this pastor's daughter to sing. And, and uh, at that time, my daughter was, I think, 13. So when he said, my daughter wants to sing, I thought, oh, that's cute. That'd be great. You know, I'd love for your daughter to join us. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> and, uh, and then we were already, you know, well into rehearsal for the event and, um, the very last person to show up for rehearsal um, was this beautiful blonde woman, and that was his daughter. And so immediately I was like, "Whoa, that was more focus. than cute!" More than yeah. Cute. <laughs> and and so um, immediately I was like, "Wow, this she's beautiful inside oh, now." Cool. And and anyway, there was an immediate spark uh, after the thing. I I just I found out she was single. And uh, we start. We talked a little bit, and I asked her for. We had a date a week later, and we were married one year later. That so, is so we, cool, man. Yeah, and we've worshipped pretty much ever since together, all over the world. It isn't amazing how God pairs people up together perfectly. Well, to those listening, um, it wasn't on like Match.com or Tinder or whatever these sites are called. Um, 
it was serving and, and my brother, that same brother who had asked me to go to church, had sort of coached me to to realize that my future wife is out there looking for me too. Mm -hmm. And I started praying for her before I ever met her. And I didn't know it was going to be that night or her, but I literally, and this is something that felt weird, but I started praying, Hey God, you know, I just want you to take care of my future wife and introduce me to her when the time is right and help me know when, when it's her, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. I'm not, I, I hope everybody has that kind of situation and story it may not be but that's that's actually one of those moments where you hear people say i knew you know yeah. and and yeah. actually i feel like i did I, yeah. I was like okay there's something really different right now happening and and literally in the first few times we would worship together there would pe people would prophesy over us and say i feel like oh, i'm cool. taking your future wedding picture or things like that and i'm secretly going yes and <laughs> <laughs> she's going you're freaking me out but uh but uh, it was an incredible way to meet somebody, um, and that's that. That is so cool. I mean, God is so faithful. I, I I totally hear you. And you guys, again, perfectly matched. I, I'm going to link all this stuff you guys can see and hear. Um, she has a beautiful, beautiful voice. And mm -hmm. with Brad singing and his playing and her voice, it's just like it's perfect. God paired them up perfectly to do his work. Thank so you, just tell us real quick, uh, if you don't mind, how did the uh, the signing with the record and the distribution happen? Okay, that's another God thing because... We like God my, things. I'm totally in a God things because I'm waiting, dude. <laughs> we just talked off the record, so I'm waiting. Yep. Hey, man, your blessing's coming and you're going to... You're going to realize whatever struggles you're in right now, God was shaping you to be prepared for whatever that is. Amen. I receive exciting. it. I receive it, dude. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is funny, too, because how it all tied together, you know, Romans 8, 28, God works all things for good for those who love him. I really believe that now because in my younger years, seeking a secular, worldly, selfish music career, I, I didn't know a thing about business. And I hit a dead end after dead end after dead end and became a drug addict and got a girl pregnant I wasn't married to. And it was like just endless, like not healthy things. Um, so. When I gave up my selfish pursuit of music and turned it around and all I wanted to do is have more of a, uh, a palms down rather than palms up approach right. to, to my gifts and my passion, I realized when I started worshiping, like, this is what I was missing at those days back when uh, something felt empty, when I was, you know, hobnobbing with celebrities and, you mm -hmm. know, this close to record deals and things like that. Um, so... Um, I was working one day at our at Artisan Cloth, and I got a call from a guy, and he was asking me about denim, and he told me his father had a factory in um, El Salvador making jeans for Levi's. But I could tell he didn't know much about denim, but he was real interested in premium denim, and he was yeah. starting a brand. And um, anyway, I was happy to help him, but I could absolutely tell like he really didn't know much about the industry. So at the end, he said. I go, what else do you do, man? I go, it sounds like you, you're a pretty successful guy. And he goes, yeah, well, I, I do music too. It's just like, it's like any kind of, you know, mumbling Christian music. Um, <laughs> and, and I go, oh, that's cool. Like, what do you do? And he's like, well, my wife's a, a pretty well-known worship, worship artist in the Christian music. And I'm like, no kidding. I go, dude, I'm a worshiper at Angel's Temple. And um, writing a bunch of music right now. It's awesome. And he's and that turned out, hey man, I'd love to hear some of your music. And literally I had just put together um 
I just put together about 10 songs and made an album called Wonderful Powerful. And so we so had, hang on a second. Yep, I don't mean to cut yep. you off because you kind of nope. cut out a little bit there. So this oh. guy that you met mm-hmm. that was, he he did, he did had a Christian album himself. Was it in Spanish? No, his, no. his wife was a Christian artist and she's uh, pretty well known. Her what's her name? Do you know what her Lucia name is? Lucia Parker. Lucia Parker. And um, anyway, he he's he was really successful with, uh, I think it was HarperCollins, but one of those big book publishing yeah, book companies. Mm-hmm. And he did all the Hispanic market publishing for the books. And he was getting into, uh, he wanted to get behind Christian music. And mm. so I had just put together an album called Wonderful Powerful. I was going to do a self, independent self-release. And we had... And this is one of those areas where my denim career and my walk of faith, all these people I knew in the denim industry had seen my life crash and my new life emerged. And some of them thought I was crazy. And I just decided along the way, I'm going to live out loud. And, you know, people might be attracted and ask questions. I might lose a few friends, but this is real to me. Yeah. And um, so we, we, I wrote this album and my wife and I decided to have another night of worship concert to promote this new album that we were going to release. And we invited, and this is, this is really cool. I think we had about a thousand people there and almost all of them were fashion design, not all, but at least half were fashion designers and people in the denim industry, mostly not saved. That's so cool. So, so that's one unique way that God allowed me to minister to, to people in my own industry, and I got to share my testimony from from death to life, and um, it was really cool. So I had just done that, and we were about to release this thing, and I and then I got that call, and he said, "Hey, would you send me a few tunes?" And I sent him the album, and he's like, "You know what? Like, I really like this one song called Would You Believe? Can we um, can we?" give it a shot and, and make some kind of marketing and distribution deal. And he goes on, my company's made an agreement with Sony Provident, which is wow. a Christian segment yep. of Sony. And I yep. was like, dude. So anyway, the, the, the really eye-opening wow part of that for me is like in, in my secular days, in my own clever ways, I failed at music. Yeah. And when I just started serving God, he handed it to me. Yeah. There's something about surrender, right? Yeah, absolutely. There is something about surrender. And you know, we want to hold on to something so tight because we think we own it, but at the end right. of the day, it's not ours. God gives us the talents to eventually prayerfully use for Him. Mm-hmm. That goes for your spouse, too. I, I remember dating Danielle, and at one point we, we broke up for a minute, and I had this really unique experience of going, hmm, she was confused. And, and so, because she's beautiful, she probably had 10 guys chasing her. Um, <laughs> and... And I had been divorced with two kids, so I wasn't probably like the perfect picture, um, <laughs> really. And um, I remember for the first time in my life being able to go, hmm, but um, do, do is she my friend? Like, do I care about her right. as a child of God and want God's best for her, yeah. even if it's not me? Okay, so every bit of my flesh didn't like that, yeah. but, but it was the first time I was mature enough to go, you know what, Danielle? I don't understand this and I don't really agree, of course, but uh, I wish you the best and I let her go. Yeah. And she came back. And so that's another, that was another reminder to me of surrender to just go, man, it's not, I didn't, God brought her to me. She, I don't own her. 
Um, and so I totally agree with what you said. Yeah, with so much. And that was so cool that you could, you know, be a light to so many people that you worked with. And we kind of touched on that a little bit. I don't know if we actually ever really got into it, but um, to be a light in a dark world, because yeah. that's really yeah. what we're called to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and ministry doesn't happen only in the church. Ministry technically should happen outside the four walls of a building. And, right, uh, because we're the church. This yeah. is church, man. Me and you talking about God. That's yeah. church. Yeah. And and people get the wrong idea. And ministry is messy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I was kind of going through a challenging phase recently with this COVID. And uh, our dental ministry took a big hit. And, and yet we... We took on this incredible new opportunity to serve at this church that I've known for eight years, and it's near my mom and my daughter. And, um, you know, I was having a tough day, and 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 one day the pastor said to me, he's like, that's okay, man. He goes, remember, you're you're in the middle of a miracle right now. Yeah. Miracles are messy. Remember, what, like the blind man, when the mud was on his eyes, yes, that was dude. a messy process, yeah. but his he was he was able to see again. So. Miracles are even miracles are messy. Oh, absolutely. I'd like to know how many of you guys would like would let someone spit in, in dirt and make mud and put it on your eyes. Huh? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, how many would you would you? No, probably not too many. And yeah. I agree, yeah, miracles are like that. And sometimes they're instant and then sometimes mm -hmm. they just they take a while. You know, when the 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 Lord sent the ten lepers, it was on the way that they were they were healed. It was on their way. It wasn't instant right there. It was when they were on their way. You know it's what I mean? Lesson. And so um, sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's not. But at the end of the day, it happens. And, yeah. um, you know, let's let's bring it in for a landing. Um, sure. Even though we can, I can talk for, I have the gift of just talking too much. <laughs> um, I do, man. I, I used to get in trouble in element. My grades were always great. But yep. I used to get, um, you know, the little comment section at the bottom of the report card <laughs> usually was excessive talking, distracted in class, you know, so, hey, man. and I still man, have some of those to prove it. You're a fisher of men and <laughs> I think you have a real gift of, of uh, conversation and, and your heart for God. So I hope it, I, I pray that it continues to grow hey, and you've, you've impacted me a lot. Well, I appreciate it. Actually, it goes, it comes as, I think before we started talking, Brad encouraged me. So this this whole thing is to, supposed to be, you know, to to share Brad's life and what and you know what the Lord did in his life. But Brad really encouraged me off the record before we talked because I really needed it. Because sometimes awesome. you just as Christians you feel like you're in the dumps, and I'm gonna say yeah. it. Some of you yeah. guys might feel like you're in the dumps right now because of what's yeah. going on in the world. Brad and I were talking totally. about this is such a hard time. It is a hard and it's a hard time and it's. It's something the world has never gone through. Now, right. I, the world has gone through pandemics. The world has gone through pestilences and wars. Yes, but the way we're going, um, the way we're experiencing it today, it's never happened. Yeah. And according to Scripture, things are going to happen that have never happened before, and those are going to become the norm leading up to the Lord mm -hmm. taking His church away, which is, it could be at any moment. And... Uh, yeah. That's the blessed hope that we have as the body of Christ that, as Luke twenty one twenty eight says, when these things begin to happen, they've been happening for a long time. It mm. says to, um, to look up because our redemption draws near. And um, yeah. 
our redemption is very near. So you might be discouraged because these are some crazy, crazy times. Uh, you know, we have riots happening. We still have, um, you know, uh, the COVID-19 thing going on. There's talks about second lockdowns and wow. it, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. Lawlessness will abound, the Lord said in the last days. And we see lawlessness. We see things happening on the news that defy common sense and logic. And Isaiah yeah. was very clear when he said that, woe to those that call good evil and evil good. And we see right. that. We see that. People are saying, I mean, it's inconceivable. And so you might be in a spot right now where um, up is down, down is up. You don't know which way's what. And yeah. uh, I want to encourage you that Jesus knows he yeah. has everything under control. And like Pastor, I think Adrian Rogers said, um, I was given this quote a week ago in one of the interviews I did, that it's getting gloriously dark. And yeah. um, the Lord is coming back very soon. But Brad, would you mind encouraging those that are listening that might really be going through some tough times? You know, um, you went through some pretty dark times, but... If you can yeah. talk to them, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that at this particular time, I felt, you know, season. I felt a season of uh, fear and despair trying to set in, and and I'm trying to personally turn that into uh, God. What do you want me to see? What do you? How do you want me to respond? Uh, I think right now is probably in most of our lifetimes, if you're old enough to understand this conversation, this is probably the most ideal time you've ever had to try something new or to make that change that you've been waiting to make or to take a leap of faith that you feel called to make. Um, and I just think that there's, there's a calling and a blessing in all of this. God's trying to wake us up. He, I, I sense a revival coming. I, I also want to just give hope to people that feel hopeless. I, I personally believe because I've been hopeless. I've been a drug addict. I've had a divorce. I've come from divorced parents. Um, I failed at sports. And I, I'm just telling you that um, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. That's so. Right. Just, uh, you know, keep pressing in. And that doesn't mean uh, another thing I would say for encouragement is um, I felt uh, I felt very unqualified when I became a Christian because I thought that I'd see all these really people that seemed so relevant and they knew scriptures and things like that. And I thought, well, I'm not qualified. So how could I be one of those people? And what I, what I understood is that, you know, we can all learn more and, and God will qualify you the minute you reach out to him. Um, and the rest of it's just learning. Um, so we wrote a song called Lord of all also that, that was our, I think it was our second release with the bridge music, Sony affiliation. And, and that song is about God meeting you right where you're at, not, not cleaning up first, not passing a certain test, not uh, getting to a certain position in the church or at a job. It's like, no, Right now, in the middle of your mess, uh, God will say, I, I love you. I'm here, and, and I, I, I've been waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, why don't you, for those of you that want 
to have that right relationship with Jesus Christ and you want that peace and you're seeking and you're looking, um, God is knocking on the door of your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. The decision is up to you. If you want to mm-hmm. make that decision, if you want to pray that, you can do that with us right now. Would you mind leading us, Brad, in a prayer for people that want? Not at all. I'll keep it short and simple. And I say, Lord, Jesus Christ, uh, if, if you if you want to dedicate your life to the Lord today, uh, just say, Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. Please come into my heart. I repent of my sins. And uh, it's that simple. You Welcome to the family. Yeah. Um, it's a simple uh, request and an invitation. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. I repent of my sins. Amen. Those, those three lines are enough. Yeah. And that's the beginning of a new life, a new transformation. And uh, we love you, Lord. We thank you for dying for us. And now we want to live for you. And I just pray for if there's a lost person that 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 uh, maybe took the time to hear this interview and they're hurting and uh, they needed encouragement that maybe my story, uh, I think I've made every mistake known to man. Mm-hmm. And and yet in the eyes of strangers, I, I appear uh, successful, and that's because I'm a son of the king. Amen. We are all Amen. heirs to your kingdom, mm-hmm. and you want great things for and from us. Yes. And, and every day I want my efforts to be a blessing and a gift back to you for showing me a life that matters, a life of purpose. And there's a lot more to the worldly pursuit that a lot of us get stuck into, and I just pray purpose and uh and for people to identify what God wants from them and to know that they are valuable yes. and lovable and that they matter. Yes. And I say all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, yeah. uh, if you guys did pray that prayer, um, I want to encourage you guys to um, get really just plugged into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, hit me up. I, I'll, I'll send you one. Um, I'll do my best to get one over to you guys, but um, just read the Bible, open heart, talk to the Lord, just like you talk to anyone else. That's what prayer is. No fancy words. Um, It's just talking to the Lord and just opening up your heart, worshiping him. Um, Brad, thanks, dude, so much. What a joy, man. Pablo, you're an awesome guy. I love (laughs) you and uh, wish you the very best. I'm here. Anything I can do to... To support you. Thanks so much for all of you guys. I'm going to post all of Brad's and his wife's material. It, Danielle, right? Danielle, yep. So I'm going to post all of that, their albums, artisan cloth, everything. Um, and then also, I'm going to, like I said earlier, for those of you that aren't going to church and you want uh, to join um, on an online church, I'm going to also link to um, Coastline Church, right? Yep. Yeah, thecoastlinechurch.com. Yep, so I'm going to put the service times and um, the days. Do you guys do just uh, Sunday Live, or do you do a midweek one? Right now it's 9 and 11 Eastern time okay. on Sunday, Sundays only, but uh, it may change, but that's what it is right okay. now. Okay, cool. So I'm going to link um, all of that stuff in the blog post below, and um, yeah, I hope you guys have been blessed, have been yeah. encouraged, and challenged. Until the next time, God bless you guys.